We're here to share with you inspiring stories that bring to life all the little and big ways that people bring more love, joy, laughter, and humanness to everyday life. Our focus is the hunt for those little moments that refuel the human soul and reminds us what life is really all about. I invite you to sit back, enjoy the moments, enjoy the stories, the adventures, and the journeys. Welcome back to another episode of What the World Needs More of. My name is Jerick Robbins. I'm your host for this journey. Uh, today we are joined by special guest Roxanne McDonald. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Good uh, to be here. <laughs> we're excited that you're here. I wanted to first off thank you for all the amazingness that you share on Instagram all the time. I'm a huge fan. I love always tuning into your, your, your page there and seeing what goodness you had to share each day. Oh, thank you. I'm glad that you, I'm glad that people tune in. Yeah, I get excited to check out your page. It always makes me laugh, always gives me some inspiration, something I'm always excited to check out. Now, we're going to dive in and go straight to the question of the show, which is what do you believe the world needs more of? Um, I love this question, and it's so, I, I've thought about it a lot. <laughs> um, I, if I had to pick, I think right now, what I think the world needs more of, am I allowed to curse? Completely. Okay, good. The world needs more places where you're allowed to curse, number one. Um, and then, but I think what the world needs more of is uh, more people that feel safe enough to admit when they fuck up. Mm. And um, and just with all of the uh, shifts that are going on and are being, what we're being asked to do and look at and change. Like the only way we can really do it is that if we are, um, safe enough to say I was wrong, I was mistaken. I was a, you know, total fuckhead there. Um, and so I think that's where my heart is right now is just about being in, in a place to where I can, I can admit that I fucked up and that I can make it a place where other people are allowed to do the same. Mm. And and how does someone do that? Like if someone's listening right now and they're in, God, let's pick a fun place, um, Ohio, and and they're like, hey, you know, I I I don't know if I've made it okay for my son or daughter or spouse or uncle or cousin or mom or dad or aunt or colleague to to kind of fuck up. I don't know if I've made it okay. How can I bring that to life for them? Like, what does that involve, or what could that involve for people? Mm hmm. Well, I think the number one thing we can do to make it safe for others is to do it ourselves. Mm. So when you, you can't impart something that you don't embody. And so really looking within ourselves to go, is there a place and a time that I have been mistaken and that I haven't owned it? Is there a way that within any kind of conversation, am I, even if I am passionate about the conversation or about the topic can I open myself up to being changed by this conversation today? And maybe not changed from a core value, but changed from maybe how we engaged with it or how we communicated or that. Um, I think the other thing is that uh, 
you know, I practice, I practice meditation for a really long time. And one of the, the most difficult and most profoundly changing practices was about forgiveness. And when I would engage with forgiveness about that, I forgive the action and I forgive the person and that I don't have to say the action wasn't wrong. Um, and that I could see the difference between the human that made the mistake and the mistake, or the human who actively harmed me and um, the the harm. And so when I, you know, when I'm engaging with people, like say I I talk about personal development and I talk about uh, queer issues and uh, gender issues and misogyny, and I really want to be someone that can hold the person's humanity, even when I feel like I'm being attacked. Like I don't necessarily take the, uh, uh, an active attack, but like there's a way that um, I can, even when I think somebody is deeply flawed in their opinion or their actions, that I, I can see their humanity. And I think that's one clear way we can do that in our personal lives is really engage with the humanity of whoever's making that mistake. Oh, it's beautiful. I have a good friend in Tampa and it's funny. I remember hanging out with him one time and I think someone cut us off or did something that was kind of rude and un, uncalled for. And I was like, and someone, you know, there's three of us in the car and someone said, oh, what a jerk. And he goes, uh, 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 what a wonderful human who's decided to behave like a jerk right now. Mm-hmm. And we all looked at each other. We're like, what the heck did he just say? <laughs> and and he did exactly what you spoke of. He he separated the behavior from the human and said, no, no, it's a wonderful human. They're just behaving this way right now. They're just choosing to do this action. The action is what we're mad at, not the human. The human yeah. might need to make a different decision next time, hopefully. But to separate the two all of a sudden brings back what you said, the humanity into the situation where all of a sudden you can go, oh, there's a human over there that I can connect with. Uh, I just not willing to connect with their behavior or their attitude or the thing they're doing instead of thinking it's who they are. That, that's, that's really important. Really important. Yeah. Um, so valuable. So valuable there. Here's my second question. What would you consider to be your wow factor? Meaning what makes you uniquely you and what are some of the moments that help shape it over the years? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I, I think I told, I, when I responded to you before, uh, I said that wow is my favorite word. And it, cause it's the, I, I was told by a, um, a Catholic nun that wow was the most pure form of prayer. Oh. And, um, and so I love it. Like anytime I'm hiking and I see something beautiful or I experience something that I'm like, this is just inexplicable. The word that comes out of my mouth is wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and so I, I t- that word holds so much for me, but when I, if I, if I'm going with that kind of thing about the being in the presence or being uh, open to, wow, about that just gratitude and astonishment. Um, if I look at myself, I think one of my biggest gifts is that I grew up. Um, I know this sounds weird, and I'm gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna get explained. <laughs> But I grew up in, you know, I've had one of the worst childhoods I've ever heard. And I was a counselor for many, many years. Um, I got all of this trauma in all these different ways. And um, and then I was I was given that. And then I was given this incredible gift over and over and over again that every time I chose health and wellness, 
every time I had a choice, by the time I had any agency, I was gifted with people that were uh, surrounding me and offering me exactly the tools that, um, that I needed. And I think it's even in a, you know, like it's kind of extreme in my life in the sense of I grew up, you know, my, my mother ran, my mother ran like a, a pedophilia ring and I grew up being just surrounded by pedophiles and violence. And then I was also in the neighborhood where the book, The Courage to Heal, was being written by Ellen Bass and Laura Davis. They were in my neighborhood, and I was surrounded by these women that were going to groups and talking about it for the first time. Mm -hmm. And like that kind of, whoa, like how, how did I get to have those two things so, you know, so clearly in my life to where I feel like it's kind of, when I go, wow, it's like the, my, why my calling is to, um, is to, is to share those tools with people. And I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me, but I also am like, it's, it's such a, I, when I look at my life, I just, I'm like, that's probably the biggest wow factor. I think something that's special and I'm, I'm a huge proponent and believer in this is people who've been through the shittiest of times and the hardest moments in the most difficult situations tend to be the coolest fucking people you ever hang out with. And, uh -huh. and I, I think when life and it's not always a good thing, you know, the way we look at it, we're like, oh, that was not good or I can find the good in it. But but when we look back, it's like it wasn't necessarily because it was good. It's because a lot of times it sucked and it mm -hmm. was shitty and it was hard and it was ugly and and difficult and all these things. And then somehow we come to the other side. And I remember, you know, just an example of a, a woman my dad interviewed. She was in her hundred, I think 103 years old. 104 and she still played the piano every day and when she was young very young uh her and her son got put in a concentration camp mm. and you know she she went through it and and they they picked her to play the piano and to make propaganda movies saying that oh everything's so amazing in the camps and if she didn't play well enough and she didn't play happy enough they were going to shoot her son right in front of her and so she'd put on her happy face and play that piano like a banshee to make it look like it was the most pleasant, wonderful place on earth. And then they shut the cameras off and stick them all back and give them one piece of bread to survive on. And, and they had to pretend everything was amazing to make movies for the world to convince everybody. And at 104 years old, she still practiced piano three hours a day. And he asked her, you know, tell me what's the, the best and worst things you've experienced in your life. And she says, this is going to sound weird, but the best thing that ever happened to me was having to go through that concentration camp because every day since then has been the greatest day of my life. Hmm. And hmm. she's like, whoa, <laughs> not, not what I expected, not what I thought, not what I imagined. But then looking back and reflecting, it's like, wow, there, there can be truth in that. Um, yeah. You know, having to live through something that was so difficult made every single day a blessing from that point. I think as long as she never allowed it to defeat her or tear her down or beat her up or take her out of the game. Um, yeah. That's well, that's a, that's a gorgeous story. And I, yeah, I actually, uh, I think the, one of the blessings about that is about these kind of experiences is that they give us permission to, um, to go there with other people. 
And not that I get, I ever would be able to say to anybody who experienced trauma, like, oh, this is a blessing or, or anything like that. But like, you do have a, a, a bigger permission to go into the healing process with somebody because you've walked it yourself. And like, she would be somebody I would never, ever, ever tell somebody that, uh, horrific experience like that would is a good thing but she's allowed to say it for herself and that she probably has been somebody who's uh been given access to engaging people that have had horrible trauma with their own joy and like and and how do they engage that trauma and engage their joy and i think that that's one of those things about us having callings in life that that I think those those things are too, both ma- are, are married, you know, our deepest wound and our greatest gift. That's right. That's right. Right. What a beautiful way to bring that. I, I think. Wow. I, did you say it's the pu- the most pure prayer? Yeah. I wrote that down and I highlighted it. That's such a beautiful phrase. Such a beautiful phrase. Here's a question: What's a moment that? And I feel silly asking based on all that you've shared, but I'm curious to know what's a moment that made you feel incredibly humble over all these years I think I mean there's the definition of humility where it's a a, um, a recognition of who I am and and an honoring of what I can become hmm. and uh, and so I think the times that I felt most humble is you know you know times where I have been present, and my like, I, I know that it's a, it's all leading together. So there's the the thing about um, being present when my trauma has been uh, beneficial to helping somebody else, and being able to. It's like that. Uh, I I read the book about a book about um, the the young boys in the Congo or in oh god the Ivory Coast where they have to walk across the desert to get out and that they're they they talked about that in you know when places where they don't have mirrors the only way you can see yourself is through the people around you so he could see that um you know that that food is plentiful and people are happy because he's seeing the other kids his age and when he's seeing kids starve he's like I'm in danger and I think there's something about that with like um being with people like, like I had, um, I think the thing I'm really thinking about and speaking around is, uh, you know, I had a, my, I have two brothers and one of them is, was just the closest human being to me ever. And he died really suddenly. Mm -hmm. And I was, it was the, the major reckoning in my life. And, uh, and then I, uh, I walked through that and I still am walking through it, the grief of that, but that being in the presence of somebody to be able to stand there with them as they lost their brother who felt like their life mm-hmm. and being able to see that like this was the most humanizing experience I'd ever had and and believing in their experience of them walking through losing their beloved person. Um, and I'm not sure. I think that that humility thing about seeing it going, yes, it hurts. And yes, there's danger that you can make really bad decisions when you're in this much pain. And there's this greater thing about what we, what we become and, um, and how humanity is beautiful. And so I think like being able to see my own humanity has been the most humbling thing. Hmm. That's powerful. What about an awe-inspiring moment, a moment that left your, your jaw on the ground in a state of awe? Uh, 
Ah, <laughs> oh, I just said it. <laughs> oh, um, you know, I travel a lot. I get this, I, I get this experience. Uh, I get this blessing of being able to go a lot of places. Um, and there's this moment in my life that, um, when I was 25, I was in Southeast Asia and I ended up having to go, I had traveled by myself, which I hadn't planned. And I was trying to get out of this little town in uh, Laos to get back to um, Bangkok in Thailand. And I had tried to take a plane and there were no planes and I tried to do all these things. And I ended up getting on this rice boat and crossing the Mekong and I was the only traveler. Um, and I was sitting on a bag of rice in the middle of the Mekong river and the people around me were being kind to me and the sun was shining and it was just this green that you just can't see anywhere else besides Southeast Asia. And I had this feeling of like, I made it and I'm in the middle of a very treacherous experience where anything could go wrong and I'm okay. And I still go back to that awe of that, of like seeing where I come from and where I could go. And I still, whenever I get challenged, I will go back to that young woman in the middle of the Mekong River by herself and go like, I can do it. And I think that that was, that's the moment I think of us with awe. I love that. How about your greatest fear? What, what comes to mind with when I ask, what's your greatest fear? The first thing that comes to mind is orcas, because I've just got this irrational, giant fear of <laughs> Shamu. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just, I can't, I can't get in a bathtub without being like, okay, an orca is not there. There's no orca there. There's just like this big, wide-set, nubby-looking teeth, and then they mess with their things they kill, and ugh, ugh. Um, I, I so, had that experience. My mom showed me Jaws as a young child. And I'd go swim in my grandmother's pool outside of Los Angeles. And for some reason, when I was looking around, I was fine. But the moment I started swimming back towards the stairs, my God, I thought Jaws was going to get me. And I swam like a banshee out of that pool every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I think I, you know, I, I grew up half in Alaska, so I must have been on some boat and actually seen orcas up close and been told that they'd eat me or something because it is deep. Um, but uh, aside from orcas, I I think the thing that really the core fear is um, not, not being honest with my soul and what I came here to do. And that... I, that seems to come through in every decision I make. And when, when I really face the times that I've messed up or the times or the places where I, I'm worried that I could fail, um, you know, I can, I've failed at things, but the, the times where I've had those, you know, crushing uh, experiences is when I realized that I had divorced what I was um, really, truly here to do or what I really, really, um, am, uh, what I'm called. And so like, I mean, I think about the, I'm a writer and I've known I was a writer since I was a kid and I let writing go many times, but for like years at a time. And I had a near death experience and it was horrifying, not because I almost died, but the only thing I thought about was that I hadn't written my book and I hadn't 
written the, um, the other projects that I really wanted to do. And that fear made, made me change my life. And when I think about, um, like failing at these projects that I'm doing now, um, yeah, public humiliation sucks, but I, I worry that the public humiliation will keep me from being vulnerable and honest and, and, um, Lit, like doing the work that I, I mean, I keep saying the work and it sounds like I'm on some sort of mission, but I just feel like I have a choice in my life to actually have things be meaningful and, um, my life matters, or I have a choice to have everything be, um, a, just a series of chaos and, and shitty, um, hurdles. And my job is to collect power and as prestige and, um, and things. And so minute to minute, I'm making that choice. So I think that big fear is like, what if I make too many choices that are away from meaning? Hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes total sense. It gave me chills down my spine. And it, it, it's so, so true. And I, I think for many people, if you're listening to this, you have to take a moment and, and go back and rewind and say, hey, you know, what's your calling? What's your truth? What's the thing that calls to you? Um, where, you know, if you were to find out that, tomorrow at 2.37 p.m., bus number 178 might run you over, what, what would you be upset that wasn't complete in your life, the project or, or, or the being or, or the way you treat people or how you show up or how you lived your life? Um, I, I had a different experience at 20 years old where I was told I had six days left to live by a doctor in Uganda when I was teaching organic farming, got malaria, got stubborn, didn't take the medication, and, and got all the way down to six days left. And, and for me... You know, it was like either A, I'm going to give up and die right now, or B, I'm kind of pissed that there's so many things I didn't do. And it wasn't like the bucket list of things I want to do before I die. I call it a live it list. All the stuff I wanted to do while I was alive, like little stuff. I just wanted to graduate. I wanted to buy a freaking house for some reason. I wanted to, you know, start a company. I wanted to, and it's just random things to me that seemed meaningful at the time. And those evolve in our life as we get older and, and wiser and have different experiences, different things become more important. But, but you know, going back to what you said, it, the reason I think that the chills down the spine hit was what's, what's that calling? What's the work you want to bring to life in the world that, you know, you were uniquely put here to create? Like you were uniquely created to create this kind of work or message or feeling or ripple into the universe. It's very special. Yeah. And it makes the little things matter yeah. like that, or to have meaning, like to not take ourselves so seriously and then also resonate with like, how, how do I wash the dishes? Or, you know, I was a, a waitress for many years and there, it, there's a special kind of um, turmoil that comes with being in the service industry. And I could navigate it so much better when I went service. What if I showed welcome you know, a welcoming, um, what if I was a welcoming place for people and what if I could actually be of service? And so even how well do I show up and I serve people food? How well do I show up and sweep the floor and clean the toilet? And that thing, it, it makes it so I can navigate the things that happen in my life that I have no control over mm. that resonance. I love that. I love that. How about this one? What are you most excited about for your future? <laughs> uh, I, I think um, I am easily excited at this point in my life. 
<laughs> if you saw those videos where I was overly excited and kept making these, uh, I was trying to announce these things that are going on and I would get so excited. My hands wouldn't, um, cooperate with the rest of my body. I felt like, a <laughs> like somebody else was controlling these giant hands and arms that I, <laughs> so, um, I'm excited about so much. I feel, I feel like, and I know there's this thing happening where I've put in all this work and made all these changes and these huge risks. And now it's all right here. I'm like getting teary eyed just talking about it because, um, I'm so excited and, 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 and that kind of excited, scared where I'm like, this is really happening. And, and yeah, so I'm excited about, uh, I am, uh, launching a couple retreats. Um, I, so I worked with, I worked with, uh, young people, uh, in substance abuse, uh, recovery mm -hmm. for about 14 years. And I worked with their families and I, I had, I developed a curriculum about personal development and, um, motivation and that stuff. And then I stopped to write and I, finally have come back to where I'm ready to go into that realm again, not just with young people and substance abuse, but to share uh, teaching um, with people about this kind of brand of spirituality and personal development that is still kind of edgy and funny and thinks farts are funny and, um, and also is, uh, is, is um, deeply, invested in making changes in ourselves for the better. So I have two retreats coming up and uh, they're the first spiritual as fuck weekend retreats. Um, and then I have um, on March 14th, which just to add here, I haven't actually said this to anybody yet, but um, I have these decks coming out and the publisher decided to release them on March 14th, which is my brother, Kevin, who died's birthday. Mm. So um, it feels like this, like he's just there and a part of this in some really sweet way. Um, so I'm so excited. I have these two decks of cards. One's called Spiritual as Fuck and the other one's called Grateful as Fuck. And they're two like self-help books, but in, in card form where you can take one page and put it in your pocket and walk around with it all day. And I'm really excited about them. I feel like, um, I was told for a long time that my brand of personal development is not something that people, you know, that there's a market for. And then I, you know, somehow found this published or this publisher found me and we worked together to create these cards that, um, that I would have loved when I was, um, when I was first coming into recovery and, uh, yeah, spirituality and stuff. So I'm really proud of them and I'm really excited. That's awesome. Where can people find these? Well, they are going to be available on Amazon. If you look up spiritual AF or grateful AF and decks, um, they're going to be, I just got, um, that they're going to be in some urban outfitters stores. So if you go into urban outfitters, ask for spiritual AF or grateful AF decks. Um, they're going to be, if you're in Canada, they're going to be at Indigo books. Um, and then they're also, my, my publisher is knock knock. So if you go to knock knock stuff.com, they're going to be on that website as well. How fun. How fun. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're going to switch gears to the second segment of the show, and we're going to repeat that one more time at the end for people so they know, remember where to go. 
Uh, But in the second segment, we call it the nuts and bolts. This is the tactical, tangible, practical, applicable, immediately applicable kind of stuff uh, from you to everyone listening. And the first question here is, where do you currently focus the majority of your thoughts and time and life each day as of right now? Well, my my dumb response is on me. I'm like so obsessed with me. Uh, But or Instagram, I could say, but I think um, when I, I think the word focus is important there because unchecked, my brain will think about myself and, you know, goals and ego, but focused, I try to focus on values. I try to consistently look back on who do I want to be without any, you know, just despite what's going on in my life. And so, uh, I, I, Try to, I get up in the mornings, I make lists of gr- things I'm grateful for, I, um, I make lists of things that are important to me, and then I do some prayer and meditation, and I ask for direction. So if I look at the word focus, my, I'm focusing on values. Mm. I like that. Now, second question is, what is the key to your success in that? <laughs> uh, consistency being willing to uh, check it when I, I love the term I'm back on my bullshit because it doesn't mean that I'm bullshit. It means that, oh yeah, that was enticing again. I just noticed that I'm back on my bullshit and to just come back to just, just because I strayed and went into some sort of spin out or ego trip or, you know, any brand of my, you know, I call it my fuckheadedness. Like when I go into any of that, it doesn't mean that it's not a noun. They're just verbs. They're just like, I was doing that. And now I get to go back to this. Um, so with like, I've, I've been, um, I got sober when I was 15. I'm, uh, on the 18th, I'll have 29 years. And, uh, and the key to success about just maintaining a life that's based on my, you know, recovery and, um, wellness is about just navigating back to, what I know is right and good, even if I've strayed, even if I've strayed really far, I can always navigate back. I love that. And our final question is, what is one actionable tip that can help others achieve and experience the kind of success in their life that you've been able to create in yours? Oh, okay. I'm such a tip person. My person, like I am like tools, let's get tools. So the one I am excited about, and I think if people started doing this, we'd all have an easier time with whatever path we're choosing. And it is to think about our life like a teen movie and like the coming of age thing where if you look at those movies, there's always like the two characters. There's the the one that's like the bad kid and the tragic guy and then there's the hero and they both come from like the same bad circumstances, like single moms in the hood or like they, you know, they're out on the farm and things are going wrong or whatever. And then there's this moment where that, you know, there's a choice to be made and the the tragic character like makes the choice to like get in the car with all the bottle rockets and go do the bad thing. And the hero has that moment where he has to make that choice of like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then right after he makes that choice, this music starts playing and he has his doing montage. And it's this, that song that would come on during your doing montage and find it. And there's going to be lots of songs, but if you find that that original one, like when I was getting sober, I would, um, I thought of the the theme song to Rocky where it's I had the tiger. And I, when I would go into my life where I'd be like, how do I do that thing? That theme, theme doing montage 
first you got to start with the music. You make the decision. You don't get the music before the decision. But then the second you can get on that, that like positivity roll, turn on the music. So for me, I get up and I put on, I have a whole list of things, of songs that are totally there for me to engage with. This is the doing montage in my story. And if I want to do a montage, I'm starting with the music. So I have just find some sort of way to click yourself back into not being the tragic character and being the one that is going to go and learn how to dance or do their homework or like paint the orphanage or do the good stuff and get the music behind it. I love that. I was just, as you were saying that, I was imagining all the songs over the years that have brought life to me in different ways. Um, and, and it's so true. I, I love that concept. So think about life like that teen movie. Find that moment where you get to make the choice and either do the things that are going to build you or break you and, and then find the music that goes behind you in that doing montage where you're finding your song that is igniting you and, and t- you know guiding you, it sounds like, through that moment. Yeah. And then play the song like the I get up and especially on days when I'm anxious or scared or depressed or, you, you know, all of those things. And sometimes I can't get my head in the right spot, but I'll turn on music and it it's almost impossible for me to to stay really in the negative when I have you know, like Justin Timberlake telling me, I, you know, that he can't fight the feeling like I, I can't, you can't quite be super grumpy when, you know, I of the tiger is playing. That's right. Right. That's right. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And one more time for everyone who's listening, you're going to want to either go to Amazon urban outfitters. What was the Canadian one? Indigo. Indigo books. And you're going to want to look for the spiritual AF deck or the grateful AF deck. And if you're not familiar with decks, they're decks uh, where, where it's almost a whole book in, in deck series with little cards and little one sheets in them that are amazing. They're one of my favorite mm-hmm. things. I think I, have, I can spot one, two, three different decks across the room right now. I mm-hmm. love these things. Go ahead and grab them. Um, follow her on Instagram. It's spiritual AF. Is that correct? Is there an underscore? There's an underscore. It's spiritual underscore AF. Spiritual underscore AF. Go follow Roxanne on Instagram. Connect with her. Uh, do you have a website or any other places they can learn about the retreat and everything else that's going on? Yeah. Um, so if you go to my Instagram, I have a link tree in my bio. So you can just click there and then all of the um, the retreats and my website are all in there. So that's the easiest place. Or you can find me on my own website, uh, which is RoxanneMcDonald.com. And my name is spelled like a chemical, Roxanne. R-O-X-A-N, McDonald, M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. So it's not the normal spelling of Roxanne. Or you can find me at spiritualaf.net or spiritual-af.com. Perfect. Well, we will include all of those in the, in the show notes. So make sure to check out the show notes. Click on those links. Go check her out. Buy that deck. Go to the retreat. Uh, if anything, go to the retreat page and read the description of the retreat. I was reading it this morning and loving every moment of it. <laughs> and, and, and Roxanne, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. 
Now, if you heard something that you liked here, and you know a friend, a colleague, a family member needs to hear this, we believe that sharing is caring around here. We like caring people, so make sure to share it with them. And we very much look forward to seeing you all next episode. Thank you.